I wonder how many of you can remember the time when you learned to ride a bicycle. I guess most of us here will have done that at some point, but perhaps at different ages and in slightly different ways. But one thing I'm absolutely sure of, though, is that none of us here learned to ride a bike by reading a book about bicycles. <laughs> yes, it might help to have a book to learn how to maintain the brakes and the gears and, and how to fix a puncture, but that's not how you learn to ride. You learn to ride by actually doing it, by setting off and spinning the pedals. At first, you have the stabilizers on so there's no chance of you falling. Then you have a trusted parent holding on for dear life. But there comes a time when even they have to let go. And yes, you will fall off a few times. You'll get up and go again and again. And as you learn from your mistakes and as you get more confident, you pedal harder and the wheels turn faster and then you finally master it. Now you can balance. Now you are free to explore and enjoy. To learn to ride a bike, you've got to be determined to pick yourself up when you fall over. You've got to be courageous as the speed picks up. And you've got to practice. You've got to practice and practice and practice. I'd like us to remember that. We are now in our third week of looking at Proverbs. We've learned so far that Proverbs is a book of God's wisdom. It's designed to help us live life to the full. It's designed to teach us the practical common sense that will help us through our days. Last week we got a strong warning about what happens if we ignore God's wisdom. At some point in this life or the next... We're heading for disaster. But this week, the writer of Proverbs wants to be much more positive. He wants us to know the full benefits of living a life according to God's guidance. Proverbs chapters 1 to 9 is made up of 10 parental talks. As a mother and a father try to pass on the benefits of their experience to their young son who is about to enter the big, wide world. And this is the second of those talks. As I've said, it's a really encouraging one. But just before the parents get on with sharing the good news, they want to make sure that their son is clear on something important. Just like riding a bike, growing in wisdom takes determination and courage, and practice. In fact, these parents would like to go a little bit further than that. They believe that allegiance to God (laughs) precedes any understanding, and not the other way around. You don't learn all that there is about God and his word, and then choose whether you're going to follow it or not. There are theological students up and down this land who know huge amounts about the Bible, but fail to worship the God who wrote it. Sadly, with all their great learning, they remain very unwise. 
No, to become wise, you must first feel a healthy fear of the holiness of God. You must commit yourself to worshipping him as he is due and choose to trust wholeheartedly in his love. (coughs) And then, and only then, will God help you slowly but surely begin to grow in understanding. To put it simply, you've got to want God's wisdom. You've got to want it badly before you get close to getting it. Just look at how our passage began. The parents almost bend over backwards to state that growing in wisdom is no half-hearted exercise. In fact, all of our senses are going to be engaged in it. We're going to need to use our ears to listen carefully. We're going to need to apply our hearts and reflect on what we hear. We're going to need to employ our voices to speak out, calling to God for help. We're going to need to open our eyes to the world that God has made around us and to seek him in all of life. In those opening four verses, there are eight verbs describing energetic action. We're to accept and store up. We're to turn. We're to apply. We're to call out and cry aloud. We're to look. We're to search. I think we get the point. If we want to get wisdom into our lives, we're going to be determined. We're going to need to be courageous. And we're going to need to practice a lot. We're not going to do this idly sitting down. We're not going to do this just by reading a few books, like we would for a homework assignment from school. To gain God's wisdom is a lifelong quest, an adventure. Verse 4 is really descriptive, isn't it? Look for wisdom as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. In that verse, the motivation is given. God's wisdom is precious. It's It's like a hidden treasure. But there's no hiding the fact that to get it, rigorous pursuit is required. Have a look at this photo. In the ancient Near East, they got hold of silver by lowering miners on ropes into a deep shaft. This was a profession that very few people would choose. And so it is with wisdom. You've got to really want to know God and his ways before you begin To benefit from them. So allegiance to God, love of God, comes before understanding. Determination to learn is required. But here is the good news. God promises that if we go on this quest of seeking his will and his guidance, it will be well worth it in the end. Listen again to verse 5. If you look for wisdom as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Did you hear that? It's a promise. Seek God and you will find him. Open your heart to his ways and you will learn them. Put his word into practice And you will grow. It's guaranteed. 
Not because we deserve it. Not because we're clever. But because God loves to respond to our earnest desires. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It is God who personally ensures that when we seek him and search for his will, in the end, that search ends up with treasure. So alongside the young son, we've been encouraged to search for God's wisdom, not just half-hearted, but with all of our strength and all of our courage and all of our determination. But that now leads us to another question. Where are we to look? Where should our quest begin? Just where does God's wisdom come from on earth today? In this regard, there's a very important metaphor in this chapter. In fact, it runs right the way through it. And it's the metaphor of keeping on the right path. I've walked this path, and it's certainly one you want to stay on. If you quickly scan through this chapter and look for the words way and course and path, you'll see that they pop up all over the place. In fact, 13 times in just 22 verses, this image of a path is mentioned. Now, why is the metaphor of a path such a good one for thinking about growing in wisdom? Well, let's think about a path for a moment. First of all, a path guides our movement, but it doesn't determine it. When we're walking through the countryside or on the clifftops of Isla, we may start off on the path, but we're free to step off it at any time. So this metaphor of following God's wisdom and following a path teaches us that wisdom only comes to those people who are determined to keep walking in the right way. Step by step, day by day, without turning to the left or the right. But there is something else that this metaphor of a path conveys to us as we think about where God's wisdom comes from in our world today. If you think about the paths on Isla, maybe across the hills or down to the back of the beach or around the side of the lock, those paths have been formed by many people repeatedly walking that way before us. It takes many feet over many years to clear a path. And it takes repeated use to keep that path open. And Proverbs is trying to tell us something important by this. Just like with riding a bike, we don't grow in wisdom all on our own. If we really want to grow in wisdom, we need to look at those who have walked the way of God before us. In Proverbs 1 to 9, these experienced parents are passing on their advice to their son. They're speaking words of command to him, but these commands come with great love. They come with the desire to help their son avoid the same mistakes that they made themselves. And when you think about it, so much of the Bible is like this. Scripture is the account of ordinary human beings, like you and I, doing their best to follow God. And sometimes they get it right, 
And in those instances, we're to try and copy what they did. And sometimes they get it wrong, very wrong in places. And we should try to do the opposite. But when we read the Bible, we are learning from the account of those who have walked the path of faith before us. So when we're looking for wisdom in our lives today, the first place we're to look is the Bible. But there are other sources available to us. If wisdom can be gained from those who've walked the the path of faith before us, we can find out more about God by meeting with older Christians. Verse 3 encouraged us to cry out for insight, to call aloud for understanding. Well, let's make sure we do that. We're reading the Bible, I don't know, at home in our our personal devotions and we come across something we don't understand. Don't just leave it. Speak to someone who may be able to help you. I'd love to do that, but there are other people here who could do it as well. Or what about more practical? If you are someone who is struggling to raise their children, why not ask the advice of a Christian couple whose children have now grown up? I'm sure they've already made the mistakes that you're currently making. They might have a word of advice for you. This is common sense. If if we want to grow in faith, if we want to gain wisdom, one of the most important things we can do is to join a group of Christians who are already further down the path. Because we worship God and we fellowship with them, we will learn from them. And of course, that can be done in other ways too. We can benefit from those who've gone before us by reading the books that they've wrote listening to Christian podcasts, doing daily devotions with Scripture Union or Word for Today. As believers, we're not just to struggle through this life all on our own. We gain wisdom by drawing on the experience and support of those who've already walked our path. And that's why the older generation and people who've been Christians for a long time are such an important part of church. (coughs) So we gain wisdom from the Bible, and we gain wisdom from other believers, but let us always remember this. The most important person who has walked the path before us is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life which we are to follow. Jesus is the full wisdom of God revealed in earthly form. He lived the perfect life for us to copy and gave the perfect teaching for us to listen to. So to summarise all that we've thought about so far, the best thing we can do if we want to become wise, if we want to become better at life, is to pursue Jesus with all of the energy and all of the strength that we have. To read about him in the Gospels regularly, to pray to him day by day, to seek to model our lives on his, moment by moment. Growing in wisdom requires determination. We've got to want to do it. It requires courage because we have to step out in faith at times. And it's going to require us to put into practice day by day what we are learning. And if we do that, God promises we will become wiser as a result. So the parents have got this point across to their son. They've got the message across that wisdom has to be searched for. It doesn't just land on a plate. 
But what are, where, whereabouts that good news that I spoke of earlier? Where does that commitment to follow God's path end up? Well, from verse 7 onwards, the writer of Proverbs begins to describe the silver at the bottom of the mine. Begins to describe the benefits of seeking God's guidance. And I think he gives four that we need to pay attention to tonight. The first of these is success. Listen again to verse 7. If you search for wisdom as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. Put plainly, God's wisdom works. God's guidance is the best advice you are ever going to hear. Follow it and you will find success. Now let's be clear, the Bible never promises us that life is going to be easy. We will come across hurdles, evil will spring its attacks. We do live in a fallen world. But really this statement is just plain common sense. We believe that our God designed and created the universe. And therefore he knows how it works and how human beings are best to live within it. It's like having the maker's instruction manual. If you follow it, you're going to get the most out of life. So as we go on over the next few weeks reading Proverbs and as we keep looking at the life of Jesus, we're going to pick up advice on how to conduct our marriages, how to maintain our friendships, how to run a business, how to make a home, how to parent our children, and many more real practical things. And the promise is, is that if we put God's guidance into practice, we are promised a degree of success with these endeavours. The second benefit that we find in God's wisdom in these verses is security. Listen again to verses 8 and 9. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He is a shield to those whose way of life is blameless. He guards the course of the just he protects the way of his faithful ones. God's wisdom brings us a form of security as we travel along life's path. And it's a long and winding path. And as the reading goes on, it begins to speak plainly about some of the people we're going to meet on our journey through life. And how we're going to need wisdom to guard us from them. In verses 12 to 15, we read about how wisdom saves us from the ways of wicked men. As we read these verses, we might think of peer pressure. We might think of bullying. We might think of gangs and cliques. We might think of business people being led into questionable practices by their bosses. We might think of our experience of being tempted to just go along with the crowd. And when we've done that, we've suddenly found ourselves in a dangerous and destructive place. Well, as we read God's word, we're going to be warned again and again about the company that we keep. And wisdom shows up people for what they really are. Wisdom saves us from wicked men by urging us again and again 
to stay clear of that. Then in verses 16 to 19, we read about how wisdom saves us from the adulterous woman. As is made plain in the Bible, sexual temptation is nothing new. It's been there from the dawn of time, and it is very, very powerful. And God's wisdom urges us to see that no matter how attractive this inappropriate relationship seems at first, it will always lead to disaster. And what is true of sexual temptation is true of all sorts of other temptation as well. And the wisdom that we find in Proverbs, the wisdom that we find by looking at Jesus' life and listening to his Sermon on the Mount, gets us to see temptation for what it is. It's a tool of the devil, and we have to resist it with all that we have. The final thing that God's wisdom keeps us safe from in this passage is the judgment of God himself. And this is found in verses 20 and 22. Proverbs will tell us in almost every chapter that there is a consequence to our actions. A consequence in this life and an eternal consequence if we keep on ignoring God's ways. And once we're aware of that truth, it gives us the motivation to stay on the right path and to make our ways as close to God's ways as possible. So if we really search for wisdom, if we hunt it out in all the places we have to make decisions and do our best to put it into practice, we will find that wisdom keeps us secure from dangers along life's path. <laughs> the third thing we will find wisdom gives is social justice. Verse 9 says that God will give us the wisdom that will enable us to understand what is right and just and fair every good path. In other words, if we follow God's guidance as it's laid out in the Bible, if we try to do the things that we see Jesus doing, it will lead us into actions that are right and just and fair. God's wisdom will lead us to demand equal opportunity and equal resources for all of God's people around the world. So truly, if we really want to live in God's ways and do our best to put them into practice, the people around us will benefit from that just as much as us. The poor and the widows and the orphans and the oppressed will find themselves treated well by us. Social justice will be seen on the streets where God's people live. So success, security, social justice, these are the benefits of wisdom. But there's one more mentioned in this passage. Satisfaction. In verse 10 it says this. Wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. I love that. Wisdom will be pleasant to our soul. It will make us feel complete. It will bring us peace. It will bring us satisfaction. 
Proverbs doesn't portray God's guidance and God's teaching as, as miserable and restrictive and party pooping. Proverbs believes that if you follow God's guidance and God's teaching, you will live life to the full. God's wisdom is joyous. It's, it's life-affirming. Wisdom will make us feel good. Because when we follow God's guidance, we will find ourselves living in harmony with God. And harmony with the creation that he's made. And when we know that we're following God's path, we'll get this sense of God's pleasure and favour. Now again, that doesn't mean that life will always be easy. We know that. But it does mean that we can approach all of life with a calm assurance. We can remain on an even keel, even when life is particularly tough. You know what? I think that's borne out in experience. If you think of the wisest people you know, I reckon more often than not, they'll be the most measured people that you know. The ones who always have a reason to be thankful in any and every experience. And that is the satisfaction that following God's guidance brings. It is pleasant to the soul. Now we've covered a lot of ground today and I'm going to wrap things up now. Proverbs describes the search for God's wisdom as an epic quest. Like learning to ride a bike, we'll need to be determined to go through with it. We'll need to be courageous when it's hard and we have to say no to temptation. And we'll need to put into practice what we read in the Bible again and again and again. But Proverbs also promises that this is an adventure with treasure at the end. That treasure is made up of success and security and social justice and satisfaction. Let us always remember that to get any of these things, it will require effort. We'll need to choose the right path, God's path, and follow it to the end. And we will have to learn from those who've gone before us by reading the Bible, listening to our elders, but most of all, searching out Jesus. Seeking out Jesus with all of our strength. I hope that as we go on in this series, we'll continue in our quest for wisdom. Let us fear the Lord for Proverbs promises that the benefits will be well worthwhile.